often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Have you ever felt fearful of sharing your mental health struggles with a loved one out of fear of judgment? Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. How is life treating you? But more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? You know, today's episode is one of my rawest and realest episodes to date. We talk about the stigma surrounding mental health, and I share something that I was ashamed of for a while because of the stigma. So I spoke to Sasha Nicole, who is the founder of Fearless Influence, and after several years of dealing with major depressive disorder and anxiety, she noticed a lack of authentic conversation regarding mental wellness. She realized that too many people were living in shame about talking about their mental health. As a mother who survives severe postpartum depression and thrives with a mental health condition, she is now on a mission to reduce the stigma and to eliminate shame. She's an author, a speaker, an educator, all dedicated to teaching men and women the power of resilience to help eliminate fear surrounding mental illness, as well as overcoming self-doubt as they run businesses or work traditionally to raise their families. In today's conversation, we talked about how to recover from self-injury and suicidal ideation, how to overcome postpartum depression, why mental illness shouldn't be taboo, and why there shouldn't be any shame in psychiatric medications. We also touched on the role that self-accountability plays in your healing journey. Listen, this conversation is raw and honestly one of my favorites because something about talking to her made me very comfortable in sharing things that I just did not ever think I'd share. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for joining. I am so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. Hello. So I have Sasha Nicole with us. She is an author, speaker, educator, and creator of Fearless Influence. I love that. And founder of Partum Evolution. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Girl, it's Friday. I'm happy Uh, (laughs) just because it's Friday because this week has been kicking my ass, um, but it's over. So I'm just going to spend some time in bed this weekend. So yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Long story short, I'm good. good. That's good. (laughs) Um, So I was saying um, before we started recording that I'm really excited to talk to you because you seem really transparent about um, your struggles that you've had with um, depression. And I'm just getting to the point where I feel more comfortable talking about And I I think it's important for us to be open about it because we don't, we shouldn't feel like we're suffering uh, alone because unfortunately depression is something that's so, so common, especially in our community because of all the things, right? Right. Um, So I would love to hear your, your story, your journey. Yeah. So for me, depression, you know, As a child, I actually used to, not as a child, um, but as a child, I had experienced a lot of physical and emotional abuse. And from there, I would have suicidal thoughts and I was a cutter. So I used to cut and slash my arm and not even understanding at that time what it even was, what I was even doing. I just knew that by hurting myself that I felt like I was releasing some sort of pain that was internal, that I thought it was translating in that way, not even understanding that I was already in this mode of depression, because what we don't always acknowledge is that 
children too can, can be very depressed. And we've seen the increased uptick of a lot of kids who have committed suicide and not understanding uh, their story. We often think, well, they're kids, but you don't really know what's happening sometimes in a lot of these houses that these kids are going to. And so um, I started on that path already. And then as I got older and always battling obesity, I was morbidly obese. I was 400 pounds dealing with that. And a lot of the cruelty that I endured, uh, it just kind of, it continued to decline in terms of just my mental capacity, my mental health, the way that I viewed myself, the confidence that I had. Uh, And so over time, as I became an adult, And eventually I always danced with therapy, like, eh, you know, I was court ordered to go when I was a kid, but as an adult, I was like, eh, I I mean, I just felt like, what could someone really do to help me or talk to me about that, you know, I couldn't possibly do for myself. And then I also grew up in the essence of, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstrap. You're not the only person in the world, you know, get over it. Right. And so for a long time, I felt like I just needed to get over the feelings and the emotions that I was having. Uh, Fast forward to when I had my daughter this was, was when kind of the fork hit the road, because when I had my daughter, after I had her, I didn't know again, that what I was experiencing was postpartum depression. So I didn't have a connection with her. So when I had her, there wasn't this, oh, I'm, I'm so in love. I'm so connected. I didn't feel any of that. Uh, And as I went home, I started to have thoughts of actually harming her. And that was very, it was, scary. It was uncomfortable. I would cry about it because I I knew it wasn't natural. I didn't want to have these thoughts. I wanted to feel connected. I didn't want her to touch me. But every time I would look past the wall, look at the steps, I would honestly think about throwing her down the steps or leaving her somewhere. And you couldn't tell nobody that. (laughs) so, Mm -hmm. So having those type of thoughts, I was very alone. And there was, and not only alone, but alone in the essence of there were no black women or women of color in general who dare was talking about anything like that, or that I could even relate to and talk to. And my friends that I would try to say a few things here and there, I mean, they would be appalled. They would be shocked or, or think it was the assumption of, I didn't want to maybe take care of my responsibility because they just couldn't understand or fathom the thought of those things. And I always say, you know, everything that I judged in my life was something I was forced to actually make a decision on. So I used to judge women who would do certain things. And now, you know, being that woman who's been in those positions, I'm always very careful to how I perceive and how I judge. Uh, And so that really kind of was the start of my depression journey and where it began, how it started and, and how it just continued to transpire through my life. And I didn't really get help for it until maybe, maybe four, four to five years ago. And even then it wasn't consistent. I've been consistent for about two to three years uh, and, and to include even me being on an antidepressant. I want to go back to your childhood a little bit, um, about how old were you, um, were you, when you were, um, cutting and when you had suicidal ideation? So I was leaving middle school, going into high school. Uh, and I remember a student like seeing my arm cause I would wrap it and, and ended up telling, um, someone and telling a teacher and, you know, in, in that moment, I was so angry when they had called me in being called my parents and, and, and things, because there was this label in that time that like that there was just something so terribly wrong with you. But the reality is that I was just in a lot of pain. I was just deeply hurting. 
Uh, and no one was really addressing that. And no one like, you know, as my parents were really acknowledging the things that had taken place for me and why I was feeling these, these feelings. And so, um, and insurance didn't cover those, those things. So when, if you had to do outpatient therapy or you needed to some sort of Medicaid insurance, wasn't covering them at that time. Uh, So my mom would be angry at me because she felt like she wasn't going to pay these things out of pocket because they were so expensive. So it was around that time where I first started feeling like, I just wish I was dead. I wish I wasn't here. And I would ask God, like, why would you bring me into this world to endure the pain that I feel? I just couldn't understand the concept of, of, of people and and the things that sometimes we go through and the why behind it. And and I didn't want to hear the Bible version. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like growing up in the church for me, my experience has been that it was kind of like gaslighting. I'm feeling these very real feelings that I don't want to feel. Nobody wants to be depressed. For me, like you physically feel the weight of not wanting to be here or just struggling just to go through your day to day. And then for somebody to say, well, you just don't pray enough or, well, your relationship with God is just not strong enough or, well, you could have it worse. Like those things don't help at all. No, especially when you're a child and you're trying to make sense of it all. Nothing makes sense. Like that doesn't help. Um, It doesn't. And I I would agree with you in that form of gaslighting that I think the church does often uh, to just pray it away, you know? (laughs) Yep. And and listen, I've been praying, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like (laughs) I've been praying. If I could have prayed this away, it would have been prayed away. Right. Um, I kind of want to fast forward a little bit to um, your journey with um, postpartum depression. So how did you, were you able to get help then um, when you are feeling these feelings or? No, I I finally went to my doctor in one of my checkups and I said some of the thoughts that I was having, I didn't go into great detail in terms of, oh, I'm I'm thinking about throwing her, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was saying I was feeling down and I, and I, and I felt, you know, the emotions of crying all the time, very irritable and things of that nature. And so the first thing that she did was just prescribe Prozac. And so for me, I didn't, I didn't want to, I was not okay with the thought of taking medication at that time in my life, because I was still the the frame of mind of you're being weak and you don't need any type of of medicine. And then on top of that, I I wasn't as informed in terms of medication, what it was going to do, how would it impact? Like I'm breastfeeding, how would it impact? Like I just had no, and I didn't have the care for someone to explain these things to me. So I just was like, I'm not taking that. So a lot of it, 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 the first two years of my daughter's life, you know, if she could talk, she probably didn't get the nourishment and the care in terms of the emotional components that she needed during that yeah. time, because I just didn't possess them. Yeah. Now she was taken care of from a phys- physical standpoint, but emotionally, I definitely had to, I struggled with those feelings of failure in that time. And so for me, it really was a battle. Like it was literally a battle in my mind on a regular basis. And I, and I spent so much time crying or I would just go into another room and just leave her in, in, in a room for a moment. So I could just compose myself. And it wasn't until maybe I had it for about two years, almost two and a half years. And it wasn't until I was riding past um, a really bad car accident. You could tell that it probably was a death that had taken place. 
And it, it, for some reason, and I, I can't explain to you, but I looked over and was like, wow. And I, and it just like, I felt that chill. You know, how sometimes you see things and you feel that chill and experience that chill. And I looked over and I was like, God, like if there was ever me, take me and leave my daughter. And in that moment, like instantaneously, it was like something connected, something yeah. had changed. And I just felt something in my spirit. And it was like, that was the first time that I had actually verbally expressed a, a love, a capacity of love for this, for this being. And I wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to feel that, but that was my first experience feeling more than just obligation, yeah. but feeling compassion and feeling love and feeling care. And, and, and that was the moment that, that really started to change the dynamic of how I interacted with her. Did you have support? Like, did you have like a community of women or just anybody who you could lean on to get the, yeah, the support that you need as, as a person? I didn't because, and I wasn't like super young. Like I was only 25, but which is still young, mm -hmm. but I wasn't, you know, like out of high school or something like that. And, um, my friends at the time, they didn't have children. Um, and they didn't understand, nor were they in the, at 25, even still, you know, that is, that is somewhat young. It's you're still in this mindset of you're not, you may care about your friend, but I don't think you are in the capacity to care enough for something that's so major. Yeah. Uh, uh, like you don't even know how to support that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, I'm not, I don't feel angry at like my friends from, from not being a support system then, because I don't even think they knew how to be a support system. I didn't know where, where I could find the support and going to, you know, my father, it was, you're not the only mother in the world. You need to get over yeah. it. And so that was, that was the thing I didn't. And her father um, was older than me. And he, and he came from definitely the old school thought of you're her mother. This is what you're supposed to do. And so his support was limited, especially in that realm, because he, he could not understand those, those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, like to him, you know, these, this is what a woman does. So do your, do your job. And that just makes things so much worse. It is so hard just initially making that transition from being just um, responsible for yourself and then to being responsible for a whole nother life. And then when you add all of the hormonal changes that happen, then when you add, if you had pre-existing depression or anxiety, the layers to it, listening to your story breaks my heart because it is hard enough just to transition, but then to not really have a circle of people who you can really confide in or a circle of people who really you can lean on um, makes me sad. It's like they're making the situation worse. They may not have intentionally done so, but who? Um, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. I, um, I want to, I would say that a support system, if anyone is thinking about having kids or is pregnant or is going to have children, I would definitely start preparing your support now, start building your village now uh, and in different facets and looking, I didn't even know the word doula then. Oh, yeah, so if you have the, like, if you have the money, but even if you don't have the money, there are some free resources that offer some free doula mm -hmm. services. Look into that because that, if I had a doula or if I had a network of just women that I could call or that I could talk to, I know that my experience, it might not have, you know, 
it might, I don't think it would have been as long and I don't think it would have been as severe. I think that I would have had more help yep. that I needed. And yep. so I would definitely say, build your, start building your village now for, for you and your baby. Yep. That's great advice. Um, my first son, I didn't have a doula. My second child, I did have a doula. And let me tell you that period was night and day. My second child also had um, complications at birth that we did not see coming. But my doula was who, A, recognized that I was going through postpartum depression and anxiety um, even before I did. And it just was so different being loved on while I cared for somebody else. It just Mm. made a huge difference and little things like, having a meal prepared for myself, you know, um, having time to shower, things like that made such a difference. So I agree with you. And in terms of resources, there are some doulas while they're training, they'll dedicate a certain couple of hours or um, they'll take a certain number of clients to help them um, build their skills. And they're just as nurturing and could be just as good as um, one who's completed their training. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about stepping into your power. So you said about four years ago, you started going to therapy. I started going to therapy based on me feeling like it was something I needed to do rather than it being forced or rather than it being some sort of emergency, but just recognizing that I am unhealed and I am in pain and I no longer want to be in pain. Was there like a moment that was like, you know what, let me just call somebody, see what I, what resources I can get to get to therapy or just gradually build up? It was just a, it was a gradual thing where I kept real, where I kept realizing certain things would be triggering for me. Mm -hmm. And it'd be like, why is this so triggering? Why am I so angry? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, why do I respond this way? Uh, Like, you know, little things like that was an indicator to me that there is something there's something wrong. Like I'm not, and I'm not happy. I'm not well. And it was those things that gradually took me to the place of saying like, maybe I I need a little bit more help than, than I thought. And maybe there is some help out there. And I started to become way more informed from mental health standpoint. Uh, And also my postpartum experience led me down the advocacy road because it prompted me to start my nonprofit to help other women of color. And by doing that, I started to really learn the components of mental health. It's the top of the year and many of us have recommitted to taking better care of our bodies. And if you're with me, let me enlist you in on a cheat code, Athletic Greens. In order to ensure that I was giving my body the proper vitamins and nutrients, I used to take a handful of assortments of big old capsules. Child, I'm talking at least five to six separate pills each and every day. And if I was in a rush, I'd skip them all together because I didn't have the time. However, One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 minerals, vitamins, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in my diet, increase my energy and focus, aid with my digestion, and support a healthy immune system without the need to take multiple products or pills. I've made my routine so much simpler while ensuring that I give my body what it needs. So join me. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Yes, a free year supply of high quality vitamin D to help ward off the winter blues, upregulate your immune system, and so much more when you redeem your offer at athleticgreens.com slash be well sis. 
So I, I do want to talk about your your nonprofit. So it's called Partum Evolution, right? Right. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about it. So as mentioned, I started it after the experience with my daughter and I, and I thought about, man, I didn't have anybody to talk to who looked like me. What if I create an organization where I could build a community for women of color who are experiencing postpartum depression? And so that's what I did. And I just started down this path of learning, learning about postpartum, learning about mental health, learning about wellness. Uh, and I, I just built I just started from the ground up and just thought of like different programming and things that I wanted to do for the community. What were ways that I could give back? What were like groups and, and, and meetings that I could do to provide this safe space for women who want to share what they're going through? Uh, and it's it's been a long road because it started with this idea, but an idea that I just didn't know what to do. Like I just had this idea. And so for years, I've just been little by little chipping off at this idea. And then finally, last year, I got my 501c3. And I just started to really form the programming and everything and the foundation, like the real root of the foundation. Uh, and so that's where I'm at with it. I have a free course where people can listen to all the things that you may go through, what you can do to overcome postpartum depression. So it's a free audio course. Um, the programming is, is, is built out and it'll be, well, it's offered more in the DC, Maryland area, because that's where I am, but I want to branch it off. Uh, and then, so that's one of the things that we're doing and then looking at grants and stuff like that. Um, it's just, it's, it's part of the, part of what I'm working on and just the organizational mission in general is to provide a safe space for women, women of color, uh, to be able to talk about what they're, what they're going through after childbirth or what they, if they feel like they're having postpartum depression, they can come to my organization. Uh, and so the part of evolution stands for like the evolution after partum, the evolution of motherhood. I love that. That's, that's really powerful. I remember I was um, offered to go to this group that was associated with my um, birthing center. So mm -hmm. I went to the group and I was the only person of color. Um, and everybody was like, I just did not feel comfortable sharing at all. Right. Um, I just felt super uncomfortable. I just felt like I could not relate. Uh, I just felt very, very othered. So a space like yours is super, super necessary. Um, there's just something about seeing people whose faces look like yours, who have had backgrounds similar to yours and stories similar to yours, just allows you to be vulnerable in an already vulnerable situation. So it's thank absolutely, you. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. We absolutely need it. Um, so I want to talk about stepping into your power. Talk to me about how you've taken rough beginnings and just a complicated middle and how have you stepped into your power and just all of that good stuff. Yeah. So part of I the word I want to use is accountability. Mm -hmm. um, I have had to be accountable for my actions uh, in terms of how I mentioned, you know, why am I so angry? Why am I responding this way? And taking accountability for these things and getting the help that I need by getting the help that I needed in terms of therapy, in terms of researching, in terms of learning, and even utilize, I'm very, very big on holistic practices as well. 
um, has really allowed me to open my mind, to open my heart, to recognize like, what are the things that I'm powerful in? Because I think a lot of times people don't even recognize that they have a power. They don't even know that there is a power that exists within them. And, and oftentimes if we, if we think that we have a little bit of power, we don't even know like, well, how do I use it? Or how do I even tap into it? And so I always, you know, start with saying like, you first have to take accountability for the things that you haven't done or the things that you're going through or the things that maybe you're responding to first to then start making a soundboard, making a pathway for you to live into the existence of the power that you have. Uh, so that was the first step for me is like, I had to take accountability for, um, a lot of the things that I've, that I've done or, and, and responded to or treated people as like, I, you know, I've been treated cruel. So sometimes my responses were cruel, you know, as they say, hurt people, hurt people. Um, doing that. And then just remembering like who I really am, what I have to offer, building my self-confidence, my self-esteem. I mean, it was very, it was shot and I would overcompensate. Like when I was morbidly obese, I could dress really well. So I would overcompensate with this look, but have a, a, a dirty inside because I just was unhappy and, and had low, very, like I said, very low self-esteem. So built, so part of, again, so building that power, honing in on that power is building yourself up, building your self-esteem, building your self-care, building, you know, the self-acceptance of who you are. And, and then just discovering the things that, what are you good at? What do yeah. you like to do? You know, what, what, what are some of the things where people come to you and, and say, you know, man, you really have a, have a gift in this, or you can really do that well, because this is part of what helps you recognize that, oh, there's something in me. There's something within all of us. We just have to find what that is if we don't already know it. And sometimes like myself, I knew that there was something inside of me because I knew that when I had something to say that people would listen and that I had a story. And my story would help people, but I just didn't know how to package it, how to, how to talk about it or not feel ashamed or care about the responses. Like I knew there was something that existed, but I just didn't know how to walk in what existed within me. That's powerful. That's so, so powerful. And and I love that you started with accountability. I think so many of us and myself included, have not been honest with ourselves about Mm -hmm. ourselves right Mm -hmm. um and I thought I was a really honest person to out them and to me and then I was just like no like I'm hiding things from myself because it might be painful to relive that like you mentioned like how I may have responded to other people and stuff like that so but being clear about all those things and even the good things has really opened up so just helps you to open up. So I'm so happy you said that. And, you know, like you said, being honest with yourself, when it's just you, those four walls and God or whatever you believe Mm. in, even if you don't believe in God, when it's just you and those four walls, you you have a reckoning with yourself. And a lot of times you don't want to have that. So we are sometimes dishonest a lot because it's hard to admit you know, what, what you are or what you've become or what you're doing or how you're reacting. Like, so we can go down the list, 
But a lot of people, because, you know, what happens is, is that when you have to start addressing those things, when you have, when you start recognizing them or you start acknowledging them, you have to then start addressing them. Yeah. And we don't want to address them. Yeah. So we prefer not to even say that they exist because yep. if they exist now, I got to be conscious that they're there. Yeah. And if I'm conscious that they're there, that means I might have to do something and I don't want to do nothing about it. Yep. That's the truth. And it's so much easier to be a victim, like to say, mm-hmm. they hurt me. They did this. They, they, they they, they, okay. So they did it. So I don't have to deal with, with the consequences or I don't have to deal with fixing it. But if I'm the one who did, who played a part in some of these things, then I have to clean it up. Right. Um, right. I think, and then some, yeah, go ahead. No. And then some of those things, you know, when, when you put yourself in the victim mindset, we can even be a victim of things that we couldn't control. Like when I, I said the example of as a child, right? I couldn't control some of the things that happened to me, but that doesn't mean that now in my thirties, I still have to live through that trauma every day. So you can still set your mind on being a victim for something that you wasn't responsible for, but you are responsible now to try to take the journey to heal through it. I, you and, and, and it's a, a battle with, do people have to forgive people? I, you know, we, we could have that debate on a different day, but but what you have to do is be able to forgive yourself and be able to, to understand that you cannot control what took place then, but you can definitely control what takes place now. Yep. Yep. And, and I think we all owe it to ourselves to give us, give ourselves the best shot. So we have no control over what families were brought into and what happened back then, but right. I need to make my today the best that I can possibly make it. And sometimes it takes looking in the mirror and then going from there or having to repair things that other people may have done to me. Right. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, sometimes the onus really is on us to, to move forward. And, and it's, there's power in that too. Like you had my past, but I have my present. Absolutely. There's power. There's definitely, like you said, there's power in that of being in control of your future. Mm -hmm. Are you on medication now? Um, for- I am. Okay. I am. So how did you make that decision? I remember you saying, and when you're first offered Prozac, you really wasn't with nope, it. Nope. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't take it. Um, I just got on medication a year, a year ago, a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a year, year and a half ago. It actually started when the, with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit a wall and everything, like for many people, everything kind of came crashing down the things that I was working on, a lot of stuff that was taking place. And when everything got shut down, like I felt like so did my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some opportunities that were deaded as well because of everything. And I couldn't, I couldn't fathom, like I had worked so hard for these opportunities. And so I was so angry, but you know, you move past that, you get over it. Like you don't, you don't necessarily always get over things, but you get past them. Um, and life goes on, right. You know, we had to get accustomed to how the pandemic was and, and what it was. And, and we, this was just our new way of life. But in that time I had to, I had to look at myself a lot. And before the pandemic, I was so busy and doing so many things that I wasn't faced with having to address certain things that I actually thought that I had addressed, but that I didn't same. I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't realize that there were some, there were still some trigger points. I didn't realize that there was still some pain and that I was still not over certain things. Like I really felt like I'm good. I didn't know that it was a continuous journey. And, um, and so in that time frame, I started to just, again, once again, feel like 
what is the purpose for me? Like, why am I here? Like, and when I started having those thoughts, I knew right then and there, like, uh oh, like, yep. I need to, um, I need to get serious. And so, because at that time, I also I wasn't going to therapy anymore. Um, I wasn't doing that regularly. So that was the first thing I did. I found a therapist. I interviewed, I don't know, probably five or six of them to try to find the right one. And I started going to therapy regularly. And then I, I went ahead and called a psychiatrist because I felt like if I have been battling this, this depression all of my life, clearly I'm not winning the battle. There's something that I may need a little bit of assistance with. Uh, and, and it, and it just made me say, let me just, let me just try to get the assistance that I think that I might really need. So I called a psychiatrist. We talked, told about thoughts, symptoms, things like that. Um, and so, um, she told me that she wanted to try me on an antidepressant. And so I was very clear on what I was willing to take and not take in terms of the side effects. Like I just, you know, lost all this weight. I can't not, I cannot take something that's going to make me gain weight. I'm yeah. just not in a place where I could accept that right. because of just the struggle that I had with obesity. Um, I also didn't want to change my libido. Like I didn't want something that just completely made me never want to have sex and all of these different things. So we started me on Wellbutrin, um, which basically didn't, didn't have those type of side effects. Uh, and so I, and I, and I told her, I said, I'm going to commit to taking this regularly because antidepressants is one of those things that you can't really play with. Yeah. Like you either got to commit to taking it or not take it at all. Yep. Um, when you bounce around with it, it, it definitely has an effect. Um, and so I did, I committed to doing it and it, it definitely changed. Like it doesn't make you better in terms of, oh, I'm just happy. Like people think that you're getting a cheating, a, a right. cheat sheet, like right. you're getting some pill that's just going to make you happy instantaneously. Right. That's not what an antidepressant does. If there was a pill for that, I swear to God, I would buy it. Like, <laughs> but there isn't, there isn't a happy pill. What it does is that it evens your emotions out. And it helps you from, and so when you have these down days, instead of being in the hole, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, you're maybe only in the hole a day, maybe two days, you're able to recover quicker. You're able to have more even killed thoughts. That's all the antidepressant is there. It's there to give support to helping you help yourself. Mm -hmm. It's an aid. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not a a cheat pill. And, and I don't think people recognize that or or when they do want to take it, they want to take it because they think it's going to instantaneously make them happy. And it ain't going to do that. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we have very similar stories because during the pan, the beginning of the pandemics when I started taking medication too, um, I'm taking Lexapro and for years I was like, no, I'm not going to take anything. I'm just mm-hmm. going to go, go to therapy. I'm going to try to exercise. I'm going to try to pray, like all those things. And I think like you, I was depressed since childhood. And I just didn't have the words to put to it. Yeah. Looking back, I was absolutely depressed. Um, and so the pandemic hit and just, I just was burnt out. Um, between working full-time, then I was doing homeschooling full-time. Wow. The house is just loud constantly and I'm noise sensitive and just things were different and I just couldn't cope. I got to a point where I just was feeling, if I'm honest, like I just was, I'd go to sleep every night and just pray that I just did not wake up. Like I I just, and I never felt like that since becoming a mom because I always felt like 
Um, I want to be there for them. But then I was just like, nah, I was rationalizing why I don't even need to be around anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm, this is different. So I called my primary care and we had a conversation and she put me on um, Lexapro. Lexapro is for more of the anxiety because um, I have both of them and it's just my anxiety is a little bit worse, which makes my depression worse. So it's like the whole cycle. And I thought that I would be, it wasn't a happy pill, but I thought like this is the cheat code <laughs> that I'd be all right. And no, I, I still needed to put so in gotta the, do the work. work. Still, yeah. yes. <laughs> and even when I was talking to my therapist, I'm like, you know, I need to up my medication. She's just like, hold on. Like, what are you doing for self-care? I'm just like, nothing. She's just like, all right, before we start playing with your medication, how about you take some time for yourself? How about we start seeing each other more often? Like, you still have to do the work cast. Like, it's just, it's not just more meds. That doesn't help right, either. Right. And and I don't think, and, and it's, I, I applaud you for sharing that because I don't think a lot of people understand, oh, it's still work you got to do. Yep. So it doesn't, yep. you know, so absolutely. And, and um, I'm glad that you were able to, to get that, to get that help and, and that it's helping with along with the work. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I, I just want to say to people who may be thinking about, or who have been resistant to the idea of getting medication, this is my thought. Um, when you are chronically depressed or chronically anxious, that depletes like your neurotransmitters, right? So taking a medication under the supervision of like your, your doctor really helps your body to like bring your, those levels back up to normal. And then you of course have to keep doing the work to help naturally stimulate um, those things. Um, So it's not a cheat and there's nothing wrong with you if you decide to try medication and see if it works for you, if if it's helpful for you, I should say. Right. Um, And you can have a plan. Like for me, my plan is not to be on an antidepressant forever. Right. My plan is to eventually wean off and just get to the point where now it's assisted me to the point where I don't necessarily need it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't know, you know, but what I do know is that that's what I would like to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we have to look at it as this like forever scarlet letter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, but I also know that with the work that I've had to do and the other things, the components of self-care, the, like the components of holistic, like I'm really, really big into acupuncture, into Mm -hmm. chiropractic care, into Chinese herbal medicine. So along with all of these things are things that definitely really help. I also go to the, um, to, to Detroit ever so often when I can to the mental health gym where he actually has machines that connect to your brain where it like, it helps to clear anxiety, helps to clear, you know, depression. And, and so it relaxes you. So there's like, I, I incorporate so many different things so that hope my hope is that I can eventually maybe not necessarily need an antidepressant. Yep. Same, same. Let's go back to the mental health gym. I've never heard that before. So, yeah. So David McCuller, he's the owner of inception. Um, it's in Detroit and basically it's, you know, he, he deems it as the world's first mental health gym. Uh, and so what it is, is it has different circuits that you go through that you actually um, experience different, uh, like one is a magnosphere and it like sends different waves through your body and, and helps to relax you. The other is a, is a neuropath thing where they connect to your head. 
Um, and, and what it does is it helps with anxiety and depression and it helps like relieve like a lot of those thoughts. So every time like you're having a certain thought, it'll beep. And so like, it's, oh. it's just different things that he does um, as part of the circuit, you have the water, the water therapy, um, I, the flotation. Yes. He has that as well. I've tried that. I couldn't, I couldn't get with that when I first tried it. I didn't try it with him, but I've tried it before because at the time my anxiety, like I would, when you talk about the type of thoughts that I would have yep. sitting in that water, <laughs> I did it once. And I'm I like, I couldn't do the whole time. I did like maybe 10, 15 minutes. I was yeah. like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I couldn't quiet my mind, but I've been mm-hmm. working on that. Um, he has um uh, an actual like this type of sauna. One of the circuits is like this type of sauna thing. So all of it is for the betterment of your mental health. And so I do things like that to just whatever that I can do um, in that way. That's what I, I try to do. And it's affordable. It's not like it, it's it's the price of like if you want to go to a real nice brunch one Sunday. Wow. It, it'd be that. Okay. It'd, it'd be the price of that. So like a like you could do a three circuit for like hundred dollars. Okay. So you know that, that's so not it, terrible because my mind it's not terrible. Like, oh, this sounds pricey. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not, it's not as much as it sounds. So it's not terrible. I, I love that idea too. Um yeah, I, I don't think we give enough um, credit to like our nervous system and how it is constantly working, especially in the society that we live in, where we're constantly on the go, we're constantly on our phones, taking in all this stuff, and we're constantly being triggered, especially as women of color in America. It's like, yeah, our, yeah, our nervous systems are shot and they could use some like decompression. Yes, yeah, some TLC and we're behind. We're behind the curveball. Yep. Like our community, like the things that he's doing is stuff that white people have been doing for a while. Mm. So they're getting certain type of self-care, certain, you know, the ones who are interested in that type of thing, they're scientifically mm-hmm. years ahead of us. And we're behind the curve on the types of care and treatment that we can get and receive because we're just now coming, like yeah. we are now just talking, like mental health has just now become the big thing for mm-hmm. our community. Yeah. But we've talked about that, but we're not, but don't dare talk about the medicine now. Right. Like we yeah. haven't even gotten to the antidepressant part. We yeah. haven't gotten to the, whereas white people, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm on antidepressant. I take Xanax. Like, yep. it's nothing, yep. <laughs> it's nothing for them. We haven't even got to that point yet. Yep. So I say that to, to mention, like, if we can't even get to the point of normalizing someone who may need medication, who who's just depressed, may not have a severe like schizophrenia or something like that imagine how far we are in, in terms of scientific on ways to heal, mm-hmm. because we ain't even talking about, we're not even going deeper into the pain. So nope. we're not even scientifically ahead in the healing. Nope. Nope. We just dipped our toe into the, the pool of mental just health. Dipped it. And, yep. and, and I'm happy that we dipped it. You know, we at the pool, we dipped our <laughs> yes. toe, but we need to like really fully get in. And um, I'm so happy you brought up the medication again, because I feel like when we talk about diabetes or high blood pressure or anything else it's with like care like oh okay yeah take your medication take care of yourself but the moment somebody mentions possibly getting on medication it's like oh no what you crazy you this you that there's like Mm -hmm. this the the attitude yeah, yeah around it is just so it's unhealthy so nobody wants to either a try it or b talk about it like I don't want people to look at me like I'm funny you know right um but it's just all part of our health and wellness. And I actually want to ask you about, um, you mentioned chiropractic, you go to a chiropractor. 
I do. Is that for your body or for mind, body, for, everything? For my mind, body, spirit, but for mm-hmm. it. So relieving that tension, relieving that stress for me is part of that self-care. And then also they have things like usually in chiropractic care that they use tinge units. And so that relieves like your neurosystem. So again, like you said, like the neurology of our body, like we're, we're not even addressing we're so there, we got to go deeper than just the pain that we feel. We got to go deeper in terms of our body. Same thing for the acupuncture. Like you got to think about Chinese herbal medicine has been around for thousands of years. There's a reason for that. Uh, so I'm a big, big believer in it because I've, I, I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so I wouldn't get my periods regularly. I went to the doctor. I did everything I could. All they did, they put me on birth control to normalize to regulate my period. Well, the birth control started causing um, neurology problems in my brain. I started yeah. getting really, really bad migraines to the point I'm in the hospital for them. Ooh. No one could figure it out until finally one neurologist said, are you on birth control? And, and, and was able to pin it together that it was the birth control that was causing the issue. So I'm saying all this to say, so I went to the doctor. They, then they have other medications where it's supposed to force your period, but it has some terrible, I mean, terrible side effects for women. So I finally, I found this acupuncture who was deep into Chinese herbal medicine and stuff. She started doing acupuncture on my stomach. And then she gave me these pills and it was herbal pills. And she said, when your period doesn't come, she said, take this twice a day or gave me the instructions to take it. When I say that my period, anytime my period don't come, all I got to do is take them herbs and my period comes (laughs) and it's not, and this is, these are just herbs. They're not even like, you know, uh, a medication. These are just herbs. Yeah. And so this is why I I say that story to to tell you, like, this is why I I deeply believe in the power of natural medicine too. Um, so there are a variety of different things that an acupuncturist or holistic, like herbal medicine, uh, medicine practitioner can do for you. Um, in a variety, I'm talking about all parts of your body. There are various things that they, you can do. And then you got to think about your nervous system. There are certain points in your body that trigger certain things to like your liver, your kidneys, mm-hmm. your, all of that. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're relieving the tension in them, you're sending these, these wavelengths up your body to, mm-hmm. to help relieve the stress, to help relieve the anxiety. Yep. So, you know, so I do both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love, um, I was just telling somebody that one of the, the downfalls of Western medicine is that they only address the one complaint or the one illness, but not the entire human. Um, so Chinese medicine mm-hmm. and Ayurveda and all the other like indigenous ancient healing practices address the whole vessel because we're we're just one. It's all connected, you know? Right. And, and I think when we're caring for our mental health, we have to care for the whole thing. So like you said, mind, body, and spirit, because we're just one, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I love that. I want to get into um, Chinese medicine. I've been reading up on some things, but I, I need to find a Chinese medicine practitioner. Do it, girl. I'm telling you. Yeah. And you might be luck up because the acupuncturist I go to, she takes insurance. What? Yes. <laughs> oh, I got, I got to look that up. That I just yeah. knew it would be out of pocket. Wow. There are some, like look on whoever your carrier is. Uh-huh. And some of them now are covering acupuncture and, and they, and they started a few years ago, started covering the chiropractic care too. Cause they didn't always cover both of those. Ooh. So I'm only paying a copay each time I go to one. That's beautiful. Wow. That is a gem right there. Okay. So we all got to look into that. <laughs> check it. I'm telling y'all check it out. <laughs> and see, Cause you might have some things covered that you don't even know is covered. True. 
Very, very true. Um, I kind of want to talk about fearless, fearless influence. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. So as I started honing in more on my power, trying to walk in my power, and it's a, let me say, walking in your power is a daily thing. It doesn't, it's not a just, oh, I know that there's something within me, or I know I have something to share or offer, and instantaneously it just happens. It is a daily practice of work, um, of walking in, in your power, your belief of who you are. And so in saying that, I, the concept of fearless influence came because through my stories, I saw that it was impacting people by me sharing, by me being authentic, by me being transparent. And it was having an influence and people wanting to do their own care, wanting to do certain things. So that was where the influence came from. And then sharing the story fearlessly of not, uh, is, is how I put it together. So being unafraid, walking, my, my favorite mantra, living in your truth. Like yeah. I, if I had to die tomorrow, I just want to know that I lived in my truth that no matter, and whatever that looked like for me, like whatever that means for you, whatever it is that you're into, whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that brings you joy, walk in that truth. Uh, and so fearless influence was built off of that. And the whole goal of fearless influence is to increase the wellness, the confidence and the happiness in the lives of others. I do that through motivation. I do that through the videos that I do. I have courses and then I also have an ebook where I really go deep into my stories. Uh, but you can, you know, feel, you can check it out and you'll see that that's, that's everything that it embodies is just how to be well, you know, yeah. and how to be more confident, how to be happier, how to find joy in your life. Yeah, I love it. It sounds like um, going from just from just surviving to actually thriving. Exactly. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and like you said, the the key to that is just essentially just being you. I, a lot of us are scared to be us because maybe we were told that we're not enough or that there's something wrong with us, and then we just internalize that, and now we just walk around not quite ourselves and not happy because of it. So, yes, yes, indeed. So, so I'm going to put um, Fearless Influence and Part of Evolution, all the information down in the show notes. That way it's an easy click for you to follow along, um, get the ebook, get the courses, all that stuff um, to help. But I have a question before we wrap up. I have two questions I'd like to ask. Okay. The first question is, um, and it could be about anything at all, fiction, nonfiction. What is a book that you'd recommend to the listeners? Conversations with God by Robert Neal Walsh. Ah, you were ready. Okay. I was ready. And I didn't even know you was going to ask that, but I just, but that book changed. It was one of the changers that and the four agreements literally were the changers of started to change my life. And, and conversations with God is basically, he talks about how there's nothing in this world, but love or fear. And I battled that. I was like, that's not true. There's so many other components in the world. But when you read the book and the way that it's broken down and you think about, just think about your life, think about every decision that you've made, think about every choice. I mean, anything, I don't care what it is, job, family, relationship, any choice that you've made was either based in love or was based in fear, career. And, and I started to break down everything and just really reading. And he taught, and, and that was the first book that convinced me that I was God. And not like, mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I'm God, but mm -hmm. I mean, like, but I am like, yeah. I am a part of God. Yeah. And that was the first book that literally convinced me that I am truly of God. I can be God in the way that I speak and the way that I love and the way that I do. 
And I really, so now every time I'm thinking about something or making a decision, I always ask myself, is this love or is this fear? And, and that book was like the one, it was the piece that did that because before then I've made most of the decisions in my life out of fear. Most of us. Yep. Yeah. So how many of us are really making decisions out of, because to make a decision out of love is really, really hard because when you, because even something as simple as a relationship, right? You're like, I'm not going to give all of that love because what if I don't get it back? Yep, that's that's that the fear. first thing we think of. Yep. And guess what that, like you, you just nailed it. Fear. That's yep. fear. Yep. Instead of, well, I'm just going to give love. And whether I receive it back or not, I know that I've given from my heart. I know that I've given from my spirit and, and I don't have to give it back because I know what I've given is true. Yeah. Like if you could, like if you, baby, you talk about walking in power. When yeah. You can start doing that. Yep. It's, it's completely different. Yeah. So. When you were talking, it made me think about um, the Bell Hicks book, All About Love. It's a very small book and I have not gotten through it. It's pretty much exposes the way that we really don't know what love is and really how mm -hmm. to love. We think we do, but we don't. There's right. a chapter on like even parenting. And how a lot of our parents put conditions on their love and their affections for us. And even yeah. talking about how, you know, in the black community, all of like the spanking and all that stuff, like, how is that loving? Like, right. And it's like, I can't get through this book because it's like, dang, I have so much to learn um, just about love. So you're saying, um, the conversation with God is, is saying um, how all, a lot of our actions are either based off decisions based off of fear or love. Based off of love. Ooh. So to lean into the love part, it's like, dang, I got to learn really what that means. And, and it's a level of selflessness that I don't think most of us are willing to provide. Mm. Mm, that's and that's powerful. okay. That's okay. There are some things that I'm willing to be selfless in. And there are some things that I'm not there yet. And I, and, and I, and that's where being honest with yourself, living in that truth, like there are certain things that just don't work for me mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that. I can live with that, but there's a consequence for that. You know, there's an expectation with that. And so you have to be okay with those things too. And so I am, I'm learning, I'm achieving. Um, my desire is to really be more of a beacon of light, a beacon of love, and to be able to be more selfless without that expectation and without that more than anything, without the fear, because I want to be very clear that we should have standards and we should have expectations, um, but you should not base them off of fear. Powerful. Ooh, so much that I'm going to digest um, <laughs> when we get off this call. Um, and then the next question is, in the past, like, 24 to 48 hours, what's something that's brought you some joy? Mm, me going to the acupuncture yesterday. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> that brought me joy because she relieved some pain, and that was joyful. But, um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, and I'm going to like how you said, you're going to digest something. I'm going to digest that after this call, because I spend a lot of my days being so busy on the computer at work or doing, I work a part-time doing whatever and work a full-time as well that I don't always take every day. And I think we should every day take a moment to do something that brings us joy. And that could literally be putting your, taking your socks off and putting your feet in the dirt and just planning yourself like, 
it, whatever, it don't have to be major. And so you saying that is actually um, a reminder that I should be doing that daily because I should have a better, I should have more answers than I had to really think about it. Like, hmm, what have I done in 24 to 40 hours that brought me joy? <laughs> and, and that's not good. Like I need to make sure that daily I have a joy component. And, and you're not the only one. I think you can't put your answer kind of fast. Usually I have to edit out a long chunk of silence. It's really common that we have to do a lot of thinking about it. And I think it's because of the way our culture is set up, you know, like we're working multiple jobs, we're parents, like there's just a lot of things happening. So we wake up and we're go, go, go until we go to sleep. So yeah, so yeah. I, I I want you to to spend some time doing something that you love daily. Absolutely. I appreciate that question. I honor that. <laughs> You are a light. This was such a good conversation. I'm so, so happy to talk to you. We have to do this again because I feel like I could talk to you about so many different things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Whenever you want me back, I am here. I'm there. So I definitely enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.